The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Ready to move from your good life to one that is amazing? Then you've tuned in to the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you the tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is amazing. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Temple Hayes, and I would like to welcome you to our show, From Good to Amazing, where Mondays are happy days for us. They don't get us down, and they're not rainy. We're delighted that you have chosen to join us and spend this hour with us. I have been very excited about this show because we have the one and only David Friedman, a new author in the book, The Thought Exchange. David, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here, and I'm so excited about the work that you've been doing. Thank you. It's wonderful to be talking with you. I've been looking forward to this myself. I actually heard that your book, The Thought Exchange, has actually gone for another print. Is that correct? It actually, we're having so much trouble getting them because it went for another print, and then it went for another print. It's it's on the third printing now, so so I keep uh, you know I keep doing speaking engagements, and I keep saying you've got to get me actual books because I keep going out to Amazon and to bookstores and stuff like that. So we're on our third printing right now. Well, we just celebrate for you a new paradigm for a lot of authors to look at, right? Because here you are. It's like, wow, how can I keep enough books in the house? One of the things well, I'm looking. Go ahead. That, that, I was just saying it's interesting that I, that a lot of this happened because I. I use the principles that I write about to mm-hmm. get this. This all happened in a very strange way, which we can talk about, uh, that, that I, I wanted to get a book published, and I kept trying, and it kept not getting published. And I said to myself, well, then I must be thinking I can't get a book published. So I stopped trying to get a book published, and every morning got up and said, is it possible that I could get a book published? And of course it is. And I just held that in mind, so that part of the universe that, has that available, was in my consciousness, and a publisher came to me. So it was interesting how that, how that occurred. It just, uh, I, you know, every once in a while we try and use the principles we teach, don't we? Yes, we do. We, we really <laughs> benefit from um, taking our advice. You know, I think it was yes. Megan McDonough that sings the song, Take My Advice, I May Not Use It. But I, I know in your case that you, you know, that you, that you actually do. One of the things that I loved reading about the information and what you speak about, because I know this applies to so many people out there listening in our audience, 
is that they've done various forms of positive thinking and different practices with spiritual principles, and they haven't seemed to work. Talk mm-hmm. to us about your approach with that, and, and what are some ideas that we can work with? Well, this was really why I wrote the book. Why I started about 10 years ago doing, uh, uh, I took over the artist support group at Unity of New York, which was a group of artists who were sitting around supporting each other uh, through affirmation. And so I went in to see what they were doing, and they were sitting around saying things like, I am a world-famous artist with millions of dollars in the bank and millions of fans and hit records. And I think... No, you're not. Why are you saying that? <laughs> and, and I realized no, that what you're people not. thought. Yeah. <laughs> but if I say it enough, people thought that what affirmation is is that there's someone out there who gives out these things, and if you just say it enough and with the exact right words and in the right way, that something or someone will hear you and give it to you. And I thought that cannot be the way the universe operates. And so what I began to look at was I looked at that we, I developed a, a method which was quite straightforward where we looked at the world as an exact mirror of our thoughts. Now, this is one of the big uh, misconceptions in new thought is that we are controlling the world with our thoughts. We are not making things happen. I don't sit here and say, a million dollars, a million dollars, a million dollars, and then a million dollars shows up because I thought it. What we are doing is seeing our thoughts in everything we look at. So, for instance, one person might look at a million dollars and think they're impoverished, and the other person might look at it and think they're wildly wealthy. A million dollars doesn't mean anything in specific. You will just see what your thinking. That's the whole idea of gratitude, the whole idea that you can't make that up. You will just notice what you're thinking, and any mirror you look in, you will see the same thing. So that same person will look at $10 million and see, uh, you know, the destitution. And so we look at the world and we see what we're thinking. And since our entire experience of our life goes on inside us and not out there, we are not out there. We experience everything through our sensations and our thoughts we look inside, all the outside world is doing is mirroring where we have forgotten or where we're thinking that we don't have something. So the first premise is that people sort of pray thinking that there's something to get out there. And so I notice that people take on these positive thoughts and they read wonderful books like Secret and they do workshops and they go to church and they do stuff and they think positively and two minutes later... They're not holding the thought. And so I thought, we can't all be just stupid or, you know, missing the point. And these are people who are really spiritually interested. They're not lazy. We're not, what's going on here? So I began to examine it. And what I began to realize was another misconception, and this, is, this can be very backwards. My work is very woo-woo and backwards, that we have is that it is the quote-unquote, negative thought that creates upset. In the places where we're not achieving something, it's actually the positive thought that creates upset. And what I mean by that is, say if you want to run the marathon, the first thing you need to run the marathon is the thought, I can run the marathon, otherwise you wouldn't even get started. And so inside that thought, you train and you run and you do stuff. And so at mile 20, you're holding the thought, I can run the marathon. And 
Inside that thought, your legs hurt, you can't breathe, you're thirsty, you're starving, you're tired. If you decide that you cannot tolerate the sensations that the thought, I can run the marathon, is bringing up, there's an easy way to stop them. You just take on the thought, I can't run the marathon, and you will stop running. But you won't run the marathon. So what happens is, if we have a thought, a positive, what we call, don't call thoughts positive or negative, every thought just brings about a result. Sometimes one person's positive is one person's negative. If we have a thought, let's say when you were a child, you said, I can do this, and someone slapped you across the face and said, you idiot, you cannot. Every time you say, I can do this, you're going to have a physical sensation. You're going to have a kind of sense. You don't even know what it is. That is what you're trying to get away from. And since I can do this causes that sensation, you will choose what I call not a sabotaging thought, but a protective thought to protect yourself from that sensation. And that thought is, I can't do this. And you will take on that thought, and that is what you will see in the world. But you will, strangely enough, you will not feel the anxiety that you feel when you take on the thought, I can do this. So what I discovered was every thought comes with a sensation. And some of the sensations we're comfortable with, and some of them we're not. Like I conduct a lot of Broadway shows, and someone says, imagine how you're going to feel on that stage opening night. I know how I feel on that stage opening night. I feel like I want to throw up. But I do it because I can tolerate that sensation so I can hold the thought I want to be on Broadway. So another misconception is you are not going to feel good when you get what you want. You're going to feel whatever meaningless, but whatever pain you have been avoiding by avoiding holding the thought of what you want. So we not only in our workshops and in the book, we not only, that's why the subtitle of the book, it's called The Thought Exchange, Overcoming Our Resistance to Living a Sensational Life. When you take on a positive thought, you must stop and experience what's going on in your body when you think that thought. And to most people's surprise, they'll find that they have a sore throat, that their, their heart is pounding, that they feel sick to their stomach. That is what you need to be able to be with, to stay with that thought. And that's different from, oh, it's going to be easy, I'll just think positive and it'll happen. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about or look at an individual, for example, that is wanting to lose weight. And I understand that there are a lot of different premises and stuff, but because being on Broadway for some people would be, you know, huge, um, relative to a weight loss issue, how would you approach that with the idea of using the thoughts? There's, there's a whole section in the book on that. Uh, okay. Weight loss is so common. In fact, every once in a while, I always say to people, I've lost 200 pounds this year. I've weighed between the same five pounds, but, you know, I've, <laughs> I'm constantly <laughs> knocking off a little weight. the same and then five pounds again. back and forth and back and forth. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so this is the thing about dieting. It doesn't really – dieting, in principle, is very simple. You eat less and you exercise, you lose weight. That's just the way it works. Why can people not stay on it? What happens is there's only one thing you have to be able to do to be on a diet, and that is to be able to tolerate the sensations you have when you want to eat. So we go on a diet and we you know, experience some sensation because we've been using food to push down feelings or whatever. And so we will experience something and our mind will immediately go, oh, I want to eat, I have to eat, I'm starving. Oh, I'll just eat that. Oh, it's okay, I can do this, I can do that. 
If, in fact, those are all protective thoughts to stay away from the sensation. In order to stay with the thought, I can lose weight. In fact, I'm opening a show in four weeks in Tampa, and I'm losing weight for it. You know, I want to be the right weight, and I've put on 10 pounds, so I'm losing it. And so every time I see the ice cream, I want it. And instead of going, oh, well, I could have that, I have that, I go, what sensation am I having right now that I'm trying to get away from? And I will feel an emptiness in the pit of my stomach. I will feel a tightness. I will feel a sadness. And if I can just stay with that sensation, I can stay with the thought, I can lose weight. And I don't eat it. So, again, it's not like, you know, everyone's looking for the diet where, oh, it's fabulous, I'm never hungry, I'm never... It's like an alcoholic. An alcoholic, uh, I remember someone telling me he was sober 30 days and he said to his sponsor, I don't know what's the matter with me, I just want a drink. And she said, darling, you're an alcoholic, of course you want a drink. You know, people who don't drink don't never want a drink. They just know how to experience the sensations that go with that. And so dieting, it is not easy, but the sensations are harmless. So I would say when you say I can lose weight, don't look for that, oh, it's a fabulous diet because I eat so much and I'm never hungry and everything. You can be hungry. You can tolerate being hungry. You can experience something. And then what happens is, you see, the diet is not only about losing weight, but all of our healing is the ability to be with sensations that we ran from as children because if we could be with any sensation we could hold any thought and we could have anything so every time we do something like diet or experience some challenge we're opening up a new area of sensation that we've been cringing from that we are capable of feeling now and when we do that we open up new possibilities of holding thoughts so again, don't expect to feel good. Feel whatever you feel when you have the thought, I can lose weight. And whenever your thought strays from that to I can't do it, I have to eat, whatever, go back to the sensation that you're feeling and you will magically almost not have to eat. It's amazing because I, I do it whenever I have to diet. And then sometimes is, I don't do it when it I don't amazing. diet and that's why I have to diet. You know. It is amazing and it, it's so true. I was talking to... Uh, Jamie Lula, do you know him? He's a mm-hmm. singer performer out of um, yes. out of Agape, and he right. does a workshop about your soul, the song of your soul. And his mm-hmm. you know premise is that everybody has a song and everybody has a voice. And there was some kind of sensation. It's 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 worded differently, but I'm making this um, great you know, association with what you're talking uh-huh. about. So it can become solidified with me. But, you know, growing up and being so different, being the black sheep of the family and standing out, uh, when I was doing too many talents at one time, I would start messing up a couple of them because I didn't want to draw too much attention to myself. Uh-huh. And, uh-huh. Um, and that sensation I'm seeing right now as you're talking, I'm going, wow, you know, had to walk through some more of that recently when I said, okay, I'm going out there. I'm going to be on radio and I'm going to do local radio and, you know, not I like, oh, look at me, but just breaking through that, you know, because we all want these positive messages in the world and there's no way to do that being quiet, 
right? Right, so, right. But, but, it was but you know, what you're talking about is you feel it when you go out there. When, I, when my book was getting published, I, I, I kept thinking, isn't it terrible that I have to be dropping dead just as my book is happening? You know, I, it's what Unity calls chemicalization. It's, it's, it's you, in order to do anything like that, you have to feel very anxious. Do we think that Barbara Streisand or Ben Midler doesn't feel anxious when they're out there? Totally. They just have the ability to, and so you're absolutely right. You are, you are, when you step out, and you know, see, and what I would say in what you just said to me is, it wasn't, we think that we're afraid of, like, expressing too much talent. We're not afraid of expressing too much talent. We're afraid of the sensation we got when we did that. We're afraid of what was... Now, not even what was said to us, but how it felt to have it said. So when we realize that all we're afraid of, no one is afraid of success. People are afraid of the sensations that they will experience when they have success. Mm-hmm. And so if you can, you, you are able to allow yourself to go out and do this. You can be on the radio because you can feel whatever you feel when you do it. Mm-hmm. You don't expect to necessarily feel good. And so, after you do it a couple of times, it's just... You know, it's non-existent anymore. You know, that's like people that listen to me as a speaking coach. You know, when I tell them that I used to be so terrified that, you know, my mom gave me a half a nerve pill the first time I tried to speak. (laughs) You Uh know, because I was Uh a nervous wreck. And Uh you're right. I mean, a lot of people, when they're viewing other people, celebrities, yourself, or, or me as a speaker, it's like, oh, I'm sure you guys don't have that. Yes, we do. Um, we right. just walk through it. Right. You have the ability to have it, and after a while, you see, I would say, for instance, that I, for years I called those sensations, oh, my God, I'm terrified. I have the same sensations now, but what I call them is the sensations that I get when I speak. That's just the way it feels to speak. I don't assume that those are bad or terrible. You could have a pounding heart when you're going on stage because you're afraid to go on stage or because you're excited to go on stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so what happens is I think I, I'm sure you have the same experience. It's not that you don't have any sensations before you go on and speak, but you just have them yes. and, and walk out there. And it's not easy. This is not easy to do at all because the sensations that we've avoided are usually associated with tremendous abuse, or, or pain or things. And when we're children, we have no recourse. We can't leave the house. We can't talk back. We can't feed ourselves. We can't anything. So when these happen to us as children, the only ad- adaptation we can make is to say, I have to make sure that I never say that again. I have to make sure that I never think that again. I have to make sure that I don't go near that. And so many of us are walking through our adult lives with adaptations to sensations that we created as children Whereas adults, you know, as a child, the child can't stand online for two minutes. An adult, I hate standing online, but I can do it because Absolutely. I can feel it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we are going to look forward to everyone joining us after break, David. And this is wonderful information. And all of you can visit David at thethoughtexchange.com. I'm Temple Hayes, and we'll be right back after these announcements and after this break. Unity Online Radio is bringing the message of unity to tens of thousands of spiritual seekers around the world. 
If you have been served by this programming, we invite you to support it by visiting www.unity.fm and clicking on Donate Now. Thank you for your support. Attention spirit seekers, have you seen the new Unity magazine? It has a bold, fresh look and is filled with content to support you on every step of your spiritual journey. Each bi-monthly issue of Unity Magazine is read by people like you who are seeking answers to spiritual questions about relationships, meditation, divine potential, and more. Inside, you will find a wealth of news from the Unity Movement, inspirational articles, reviews on the latest spiritual books, and interviews with renowned spiritual teachers. To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to www.unitymagazine.org. Unity Magazine is also available in most Unity Church bookstores. Join us as we discover the leading edge of Unity thought, expand our consciousness, and experience a greater oneness with Spirit. What would a human life based on the principles of an evolutionary spirituality, look like. Reverend Kelly Isola wants to talk with people of every faith or no faith at all to passionately participate in the next great epic in the emergence of consciousness and culture. If the choice is ours to consciously evolve, then what can life look like at this pivotal time in human history? Join us each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time for Spiraling Consciousness with host Reverend Kelly Isola right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at amazing at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And so welcome back, everyone. We're so glad that you're here. As you know, we're talking with David Friedman, well-known in the Broadway work and with Disney and all the work that he's done musically. And he happens to have now tunneled all that wisdom and his past experiences into a book that is selling Wow, like, I don't know, <laughs> like it's been okay. sold out two or three times, <laughs> the Thought Exchange. We're so proud of the work that you're doing, David. One of the things I wanted to ask you, because, you know, especially with the secret and various things coming out after that, you know, other movies following that, it seems that often the New Thought culture were kind of tagged that we're people that are spiritual and we're looking only to get stuff in our lives and manifesting. Talk to us about that and your feelings around the external of wanting things to make us feel good. Well, I was one of those people. The first chapter of my book is called The Meaning of Life According to David Friedman, age 5 through 20. And what life was about was three things, money, success, and getting the right romance in your life. 
And God gave those things out, so you had to be nice to God in order to get them. But really, the object was to get those things. And in the book, it sort of is a, you know, each part of it talks about my quest for things and then how that quest fell apart, and I began to move inward more. I think that we are, you know, I, I make a statement in the book. I say, if you think that what you see in the physical world is real, nothing in spirituality makes any sense. If you say to me, I am well and healthy, and I say, no, you're not. You have the flu. In the <laughs> physical world, you do. <laughs> but, and no, then you're not. You're <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? But inside, in the invisible world, see, if you really look, there's a, a meditation I do, which if you really look and see that everything that you experience is experienced Inside your own experience. In fact, I do not know if I am sitting here talking to you right now. I know that I experience talking to you, but I could not prove that you are there. I can only know that I have thoughts and something's going on inside me and sensations. And so the whole world, all that happens when somebody says, oh, I'm going to have, I want to have a million dollars. Why? Because you want to have certain thoughts and certain sensations. That's, that you're going to make up when you have that million dollars. Well, first of all, those thoughts and sensations are available to you right now, and the million dollars won't cause them. You know, I, I heard a statistic. Someone was telling me that when they were interviewing a lot of Fortune 500 company owners, you know, the wealthiest people in the country, and every one of them was panicked about their health because they couldn't be panicking about money, so it just moved somewhere else. I was walking down the street the other day, and I saw the sign that said, Lottery, $357 million. And I started to think, what would it be like to win that? And, you know, my mortgage would be gone, and I would just never think about money again, and I have a private jet, and we have as many homes as we wanted. And I thought, I wonder how many seconds it would be before some other issue took the forefront that had the same quality as it. I wonder how many seconds before I was worried about my eventual death or about illness or about some person I was upset about because you can't. It's all interior. So when we realize it's interior, which we actually, most of us don't want to realize that because we keep having the fantasy that, oh, if we could just get rich or just change, then everything will be all right. But we, if we are thinking lack inside, we must see lack out because we couldn't possibly uh, anything else. So when we're thinking that inside, we can go for it forever, but most of us will never let ourselves be rich because if we let ourselves be rich, we would actually experience that the lack is inside us, and that would be more painful to us. So what happens is we go outside instead of inside. And when we go inside, we find how we're actually thinking and actually feeling about things. Wow, that, that, is when, so, that is so powerful because as you're saying that, I'm, I'm feeling images of just, just like you're um, communicating it. It's like when we're seeking, okay, let me win the lottery. There's something within me that's feeling there's a lack or a missing it would be beautiful if a lot of people, especially younger adults, would realize that when they think about it's time for them to have a child, 
often Mm -hmm. it's coming from a lack, I don't feel whole, I need to be fixed, that kind of reality. And it will not, it cannot fix you. It cannot. And I say this with relationships, too. People keep saying, you know, they go online and they say, I want someone who's this and that and the other thing. You cannot have someone who does not reflect where you are. So when I began to get very successful in relationships, when I began to look at my partner and say, I remember, you know, Sean Moninger is my partner, and he's a unity minister, and we had a rough start, and after about four years, we were having dinner in Paris one day, actually, and I said to him, I'm very unhappy with you. I just don't feel that you're supporting me in the way I want to be supported. I don't feel I'm getting what I want from you. I'm carrying all the burden. You're busy forming your church. I'm paying for everything. And he looked me in the eye, and he said, David, when you are ready to have those things, you will have them. And I said, I know, but it might not be with you. And he said, let's cross that bridge when we come to it. And <laughs> as, I began to, <laughs> as I began to be ready to have those things, mm-hmm. he appeared to change before my eyes. Mm-hmm. And he became those things. Now, if he hadn't, I would not be with him. But yes. he did. So it was me holding that in place by my view and I was fortunate, you know, I chose someone who mirrored that in me. So when I felt I deserved nothing, I got nothing. When I began to notice, so I stopped even worrying about whether I was going to be with him or not and just thought about what, every time I saw something that I didn't like, I said, oh, I must think that that's what I deserve. What else is possible? Right. And I would just know it within myself. And, you know, what happens is, this is really the amazing part, is that I do a meditation where I tell people to notice what sensations they're having and then notice what thoughts they're having and notice what sensations they're having and notice what thoughts they're having. And then I ask them, who's noticing all this? And they realize that there's a sort of noticer that you are not even your sensations and your thoughts. There's a neutral noticer, doesn't even have your name on it, that is noticing, that is going, oh, David feels a stomachache. Oh, David thinks that, that you know, all is lost. I mean, I, I can go from a missed appointment to losing all of our houses and cars in about five seconds in my mind. I can just, and I now, I, I still have those thoughts, but I notice them. And so I say, you know, who is that noticer? I don't know. What's it noticing? I don't know. I just know that... Who I am is actually a noticer, noticing the world, noticing David's thoughts and sensations. And so the way you would describe the noticer is the noticer knows that everything is possible, knows that there's no danger, knows that no thought or sensation or thing that happens in the world can affect it, cannot be attacked, cannot be changed, cannot be moved, and knows what you're thinking and feeling at every moment. Sounds like God to me. Mm-hmm. And so if you, I always say to people, you will never see God because God cannot be seen. God is invisible. God is an experience. And you, but you, any time you are troubled or don't know what to do or have a problem, you can go right to the noticer and you are in God just looking at it. And there's such an extraordinary sense of... So as through my life, I've moved more and more. I have a certain feeling that in a certain way, as we begin to understand that, 
when we die, all that happens, I, I read the most wonderful definition of to die, to suddenly stop sinning. I mean, it's just, you know, because you're suddenly just the noticer. And so there's something that when we just are looking at all this, seeing it going on, and going, uh-huh, I see, you, you have this pain in your stomach, uh-huh, I see, you think that, you know, the world is coming to an end, you think this will never happen, you think it can't. So the only way that you can really be with your sensations is to be in the noticer and watching them. Otherwise, you'll think they're you and you'll be afraid of them. And all that life is about is experiencing that we have everything at every moment. It's not about having anything. Every time we're trying to grasp something, as you said, it's because we think we don't have it. So if you think you don't have something, you're not going to see it in the mirror if you don't have it on. And uh, it's So life becomes a whole different thing. And people say, well, nothing's going to matter. What are you going to do with it? It doesn't work that way. You just appreciate everything. Uh, you know, if I was standing with you and I said, Temple, wait a minute, you have a little piece of dirt on your face, you wouldn't say to me, how dare you tell me that? You'd say, thank you. And I bet I would. All, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> all that the world is doing is saying, David, you have a little thought that's, that's out here. I'm showing it to you. I just uh, gave you a financial crisis because I want you to see that you have a thought. Now, if you see a smudge on your face and you take out the Windex and start wiping the mirror... You're crazy because it's not in the mirror, but that's the way we live. We see something in the world and we don't understand that all we're seeing is our thought of lack. That's all we're seeing. Nothing there. That's so true. There's as much there as there is in a mirror. And uh, it makes life very interesting. It's just like all fun. It's like whatever happens, okay, that happened. Now let's I remember feel that. a few years ago seeing um, a man look at his wife and seeing her look back at him. That was a time that stood still for me. And the way that in that one look, like he adored her, and there was such mm-hmm. respect and admiration. You're exactly right. If I had seen that look 10 years prior, I would have thought, Oh, how codependent is that? Oh, my gosh, that's needy. What in the world? I bet they can't be separated in a movie and survive, you know. I would have went to all these places with it. But because I had evolved and shifted inside myself and developed this admiration and respect for myself, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, this is how I think of me, et cetera, et cetera. Move it on, move it on, move it on. Anyway, Uh (laughs) because of the shift. You know, I was, I, when I saw that, I went, that's what I want. I want a relationship like that. And based upon my life today, I will not have that. And all of a sudden, the domino effect happened. And everything fell into place in order that that happened in my life. And yet, it's so true what you're saying. The shift had already happened in me. Otherwise, there's no way it would wouldn't have, have seen it because I wouldn't have been comfortable. You wouldn't have even seen that. You wouldn't. You would have looked at that look and not seen it because you. In order to see it, you have to know that it's there. So all our desire and stuff is no. You're absolutely right. You had that. I always say. I am in a very, very happy relationship, but my partner does not make me happy. Mm-hmm. He is a reflection of my happiness or of my misery on any given day. 
Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. when I can really understand that, that I'm looking at a mirror and I'm looking and it's all for me. What a fantastic universe this is. I said, one of the people in Thought Exchange made up the expression, the mirror people who run around and have to mirror you. So someone says, uh-oh, she's having low self-esteem. Okay, run out and have some guy dump her quick so that she can, you know, see it in herself. You know I mean? And so the whole world is just doing a dance, but it's all coming from us. We are seeing that. So that couple, we also, you have no idea what that couple actually is feeling. Mm-hmm. That is what you saw. Yes. Because you see the world that way. And then what you realize is you can see that in anything. You can see that in someone yelling at you. You can see that in, in someone giving you difficulty. You can, when I do, I do a lot of corporate coaching work with the Thought Exchange. And uh, when I, when, if I say what's going on here and they say, well, this executive you know, can't communicate, I walk in and I see the executive, I know that sitting right in that executive right now is the ability to communicate. I don't think of them as having a problem. I think of them as whole, as everything's possible. And so you saw the possibility in relationship in yourself first. And there are always smiling faces to see in the world, but we won't see them if we think that it's not possible. And then you just opened and, of course, floating around in the world is any kind of relationship we could ever want because it's coming from us. And it's such a different way to live and it's such a suddenly every crisis that you have is no longer a crisis but a true opportunity for healing. You go, huh, that's interesting, I'm thinking that. Oh, I'm thinking that, I'm thinking that. And I just find that, you know, one of the things I'm very clear on is that peace has nothing to do with comfort. Peace is the ability to be with what is. You can be at peace when you're trapped under a car. You can be at peace when you're in agonizing pain. Many, many people are in peace when they're dying. Peace is being able to be with what is. And when I find that I'm very, very quickly, in a matter of seconds, able to get back to a sense of peace, no matter what's happening. Because I just go to whatever it is. I go to my sensation. I go to my tremendous anxiety, and I'm at peace with my anxiety. And so it's another, you know, when people say, I will choose peace over this, and all is in divine order. You know, whenever people are trying to be so calm and peaceful, uh, you know, it's like the Buddhist, uh, the Zen monk who someone said, well, you're so, you know, Zen. What do you do if someone sticks you with a pin? And he said, I go, Ow! But I don't go, ow, that shouldn't have happened. Why did that happen? I can't believe that. I hate that pin. I have to find the person who did it. I just feel it when it happens. And then I feel it. Yeah, and you're you're so right. And and what I love about, you know, what you're saying and, and how you're teaching out there in the world, it's about being authentic. And so many people, you know, when they, like I was teaching, speaking to the Unity Ministers at the conference this week, and I was sharing with them that 7% of communication is words, you know, 38% is tone, and 58% is body language. So if the tone and the body language doesn't line up with what you're saying, it's not, it's not 
coming across as truth. It's not coming across as, you know, as real. And that's the whole thing with the new thought exchanges, teaching people how to be real. I want to thank everyone for participating in the show with us. We're here this afternoon with David Friedman, and you can go to thethoughtexchange.com and read more about his amazing work and see what cities he's going to be in in the near future. If you are enjoying this program, please donate to Unity Online Radio. We are delighted that you participate with us. We'll be right back. Many people, like myself, desire more out of life. I want more out of my work, my daily interactions, and my relationships, including my connection with the divine. So when I found Unity House's new book by the Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard called Good Questions, a lot of things started making sense. Dear Tom, how can I believe in the integrity of God if I can't believe in my own integrity? From K.A. in Iowa. Dear K.A., God's goodness is independent of your highs and lows, but lighten up on yourself, my friend. Everybody has gloomy spells in their moral and spiritual life. Everyone makes mistakes. Self-doubt is endemic to the species Homo sapiens. People tend to doubt themselves and to be their own worst critics. All people fall short of their goals. In fact, that's one of the classic definitions of sin. But making mistakes, even really, really bad ones, does not define who you are. You are Imago Dei. The spiritual image and likeness of God, the divine spirit within, is your true identity, now and forever. Dr. Tom's an expert in metaphysical Christianity who is sometimes passionate, sometimes funny, but always ready to tackle the agonizing questions about life and our spiritual path. His book, Good Questions, Answering Letters from the Edge of Doubt, is a must-read for those of us who listen to his show here on Unity FM or read his column in Unity Magazine. Get your copy today online at unity.org and click on the shop link. Have you heard about Dr. Tom Shepard's new program on Unity Online Radio? Tom Shepard, isn't he the Unity Magazine question and answer guy? Right. Well, they've actually turned him loose with a radio show, and I hear it's going to be pretty edgy. Edgy? Like what? Guest panelists discussing things like abortion, gay marriage, war and peace, environmental issues, Islamic fundamentalism, universal health care. Yeah, but they'll all be unity people, right? Oh, no, no, no. He has a list of upcoming guests that sounds like a roll call of the Interfaith Council. Rabbis, priests, liberal and conservative ministers, Buddhist monks, Baha'is, Hindus. And he's going to interview them on the program? better. He's going to introduce a topic and let them go for it. Imagine having a rabbi and a Catholic priest talking about Jesus as a Jew, or asking a biblical literalist to explain creationism to a liberal Christian Bible scholar. This could get explosive. Does he have guys in black shirts standing by to break up the fights? (laughs) If I know Dr. Tom, he'll keep it both friendly and spirited. Whoa, I gotta hear this. When and where? The program is called Let's Talk About It, and it's on every Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio. So, let's talk about it. Definitely, let's. We now return to From Good to Amazing with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. 
So welcome back, everyone, and wow, we are getting so many of the great nuggets from the wisdom of David Friedman today, author of The Thought Exchange, a best-selling book that everyone is ordering. David, talk to us a little bit and tell us about your amazing life, because I know that you alluded to earlier about uh, the first period of your life from 5 to 20 years old and how... It was good, but yet it was measured by looking for some God on the outside and other things on the outside to make you happy. How did you make that shift in your own life? And tell everybody some of the incredible things you have done because you, your bio is so long it would take the whole so show just to read it. <laughs> I get exhausted when people introduce me. I'd I have to I say, stay tuned for next week. This is the bio and this is David. <laughs> Well, you know, interestingly enough, and I think one cannot stress this point too much, the things that really caused me to move from a place of very outer-directed, very detached, very, uh, uh, you know, I, would, I wouldn't say misdirected, but I'd say, you know, moving in a direction that was not truthful to me, were the disasters in my life. And, you know, whenever something really... Uh, it's almost like your life says to you, I am not going to let you continue in this direction. So when I was 20, I was in college. I was training to be a musician. I, I, I've always been a musician. and I've had a lot of careers. I trained to be a concert pianist. And then I, uh, uh, so when I was 20, I was in college. And I, had, I started to have panic attacks. I started to get dizzy and be unable to move. And my heart was pounding. And I was hospitalized for that. And in retrospect... That was really what was telling me, you're going in the wrong direction. You cannot just live a life where you're barreling through trying to have achievements that are not connected to your interior. And in fact, I now work, uh, all the whole thing about experiencing your sensations, uh, those panic years taught me uh, that I could experience great sensations. And what happened was a year later, uh, well, not a year after the first panic attacks, but I came back to New York, and uh, shortly thereafter, I was conducting on Broadway. Now, for someone who's having panic, I can't think of anything that would be more panic-inducing than being trapped in an orchestra pit doing something where you can't stop for two hours and you can't leave the pit. And I would shake and my heart would pound, and but I wanted to do it, so... I put a sign on my music stand, which I'm sure the, sure the first row enjoyed, which said, so die. And it was like I said to myself, drop dead, but do not leave this pit. And I got very accustomed to experiencing my interior sensations. And it was like my childhood, my interior, God calling to me, saying, experience yourself. And so I just have always been a person who's experienced a lot of that stuff, but once I got accustomed to that and realized that I was being guided by those sensations, not guided to not do them, and this is very important. When someone says, well, I, I want to get married, but I'm afraid, oh, of course you're afraid. Of course you're shaking. I always say to people, remember your own wedding. Were you totally ecstatic or were you panic-stricken? Panic-stricken is the answer. Feeling uncomfortable sensations does not mean that you're not supposed to do something. You have to really look at them. 
So what happened was I got to Broadway and I conducted five Broadway shows and then I met Alan Menken and I conducted a show of his and then he invited me to Hollywood and I conducted and did all the vocal arrangements for movies like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And But I always wanted to write music and that was the scariest thing for me because that's really putting yourself forth. That's Writing does not come from me, it comes through me. So you just have to open up and do it. And I began writing. And I realize now, in retrospect, that uh, although I'm you know, best known as a musician, that I'm, I'm known for writing songs like Help is on the Way and Trust the Wind and We Live on Borrowed Time, songs of healing. And I realize that my writing has always been about messages to me from the invisible world about my own healing, which I then pass on to people. So like ministers, I don't necessarily know the information that I'm imparting. You know, I, I think one of the best things a minister can do is let their congregation know how they struggle. Not, oh, I'm the wise one, I know everything. But so all this stuff came through me, and I, I began to write. Now, I began to write for Disney, which is a wonderful thing, because, you know, you're dealing with all this corporate stuff and all this market research, but you do know that millions and millions of people are going to listen to what you write. So I always find ways to put new thought principles into it. And when I was offered this opportunity to work with the artist support group, suddenly all of this melded the spiritual aspect of it, the healing aspect, and the music. And so I wrote this book and I now teach this stuff all over the country and still music is my main career I'm for instance I'm doing a show in Tampa called listen to my heart which is a show we did off Broadway and uh, we're uh, opening the uh, Stageworks theater there and uh, it's their first production uh, in their new space and I'm bringing it down and I'm gonna bring it back to New York I'm writing a lot of shows I'm putting out albums of my own but somehow it's all synthesized into this healing work and I just love working with people with these principles and working with people who have really as we started the show been frustrated with new thought stuff because every time they take on new thought they seem to stop because they start feeling a way that they don't think they're supposed to be feeling and so I work with so many of these people and let them know that you're supposed to be feeling that that's that's the missing piece the piece is, you know, so when I say, how, you know, you say from good to amazing, I say from good to sensational. If you can live a sensational life where you are experiencing your sensations and experiencing what's going on with you, that pounding heart, that churning stomach, that whatever that is, you can think anything and it's, you're not just reaching for positive thoughts and trying to get things to happen. It doesn't matter in any day what happens. You can have a sensational life on the worst day, on the day where, you know, all our, you know, unity stories, there's so much, well, I did this and I thought that and then that happened and it was success. I'm actually kind of enjoying the ones where it doesn't turn out the way I wanted to where I go, I feel such a power going, you know what, I really wanted that, and that absolutely didn't happen, and I lost that, and I still feel fantastic, and I still know I have everything. That is the real point. You know, I always say it's easy to have faith when things are going well, uh, but to be able to sit and go, this, 
I am inside myself, and all that's happening is I'm feeling a little this, a little that, a little this, a little that. I'm noticing that I'm having this thought. I notice I'm having that thought. And so this work has combined with the music and infused my music. Like, for instance, I do something on a Today Show once a month called Everyone Has a Story, and people send in their stories, and Kathy Lee Gifford and I write a song, and we bring in a Broadway star, and we fly the people in, and we perform the song for them. I love it because every month I get to take someone's story and someone who's never been on television, never dreamed of being on television, and and write them something and have them have some musical way of experiencing it. And we don't write a song to make them feel better. We write a song to tell their story. And what day is that all, on? Is it on a particular day on the Today yes, Show? Yes, it's always on the first Thursday of the month at, at um, the fourth hour of the Today Show, which is usually 1030. It's sometimes different in other markets, but... But, uh, yeah, the first Thursday of every month we do that. Around 1030. Uh, yeah. And so now, you know, I'm so excited, as you know, being a very successful author at the moment yourself, uh, it's very exciting to have a book that you can, you know, travel around with. And I'm, you know, going to be speaking all over Tampa and doing my show and doing book signings. And I'm going to be at your church at the end of the month, and I'm very excited about that. So your church is it's fun. Yeah, we and, always uh, love having you, I tell you. <laughs> well, you know, I enjoy it. You're going to be it. in Florida more uh, in July, right? In some in August? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to be in Florida on July 15th, and I think I'm going to be with you guys July 31st, and then I'm there the month of August. And and uh, we have a place in Tampa. We love Tampa, and so we, we bought a place down there. And uh, I just... Uh, you know, I'm going to be on the West Coast. I have a show that I'm doing uh, with Kathy Lee at the Fifth Avenue Theater about uh, Amy Semple McPherson, another amazing woman in a totally different area of spiritual work. And uh, I'm going to be there in September and speaking in Seattle and Bellevue and, and probably run down to Portland and San Francisco and do my West Coast book tour. And uh, I, I enjoy it. You know, you could wake me up at three in the morning and I do thought exchange with you. I just love to do the process and and uh, I teach three workshops a week. I teach singers thought exchange, and I just I just love it that that you know I'm living in this life where where I've, I'm finally beginning to understand where my life actually takes place. That it takes place inside me. That events cannot cannot diminish it. That events are just all here to help me. They're here to mirror me. I'm just you know, looking at my hair and fixing my hair all the time in a mirror, you know. <laughs> Just, mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's, a wonderful, it's a wonderful way to live life. And you begin to really appreciate, rather than resisting, oh my gosh, I hope this doesn't happen, I hope this doesn't happen. Everything that happens is useful. Everything that happens is healing. Uh, everything that happens helps you to know the only thing that's important, which is that you are everything you have everything god resides inside you is observing you there's nothing to be afraid of that does not mean you don't feel fear but there's nothing to be afraid of there's nothing that can happen to you there's nothing that can go wrong in the physical world lots of things seem like they can go wrong you know we're constantly but that is if we could really understand that that's not where we live uh and observe it. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have all the fears. It doesn't mean we're not going to have a pounding heart. It doesn't mean we're not going to have financial crises. And uh, we spend all our life trying not to have those things. How about really experiencing them for what they are, for what they're there for, for what we have put them there for? 
and let them ultimately teach us how to have a sensational and amazing life. Um, Once again, I am so, uh, I think it's so fun that I'm sharing about moving from good to amazing and this radio show from good to amazing. And you are talking about overcoming our resistance to living the sensational life and that's why another reason I, I love this book so much, David, and I'm not surprised that people throughout the nation are loving it as well. It's it's a story that's been proven by the way that you live. I'm Temple Hayes, and it's been a pleasure to have you, David, here on the show with us today from Good to Amazing. And we'll have to have you on again real soon. And I'd remember, you can go and and see David's wisdom and follow him on the Thought Exchange Have a great week, everyone, and we'll look forward to hearing back from you. Send us an email, stay in touch on Facebook, and we'll talk to you real soon. Thank you for tuning in to From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Monday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern for more tools to move your life from good to amazing. This program is brought to you in part by Temple Hayes Ministries Online at www.templehays.org and First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. Online at www.unitycampus.org. Looking for work is work, but it can also be extremely rewarding, and it doesn't have to be difficult. Judy Pilot invites you to tune into Help Wanted, making the most of your job search. For practical advice about how to look for work and create a consciousness of service and value that will help you put your best foot forward every step of the way. Get answers to your questions about resumes, cover letters, searching online, and prepping for interviews, and learn how to organize a successful search strategy. Join Judy every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central for Help Wanted, making the most of your job search. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Your friends at Unity invite you to reflect on these words from Rev. Jim Rosemurgy. Pause and take a deep breath. When you are ready, affirm silently to yourself. Sweet, sweet spirit, I desire a closer walk with you. Show me the way. I am listening. Take time now, in the silence, to get in touch with the spiritual guidance within you. Have faith that your next step, your unfolding, your spiritual growth, is coming to you in divine order through your spiritual instinct or your spiritual knowingness. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. What would a human life, based on the principles of an evolutionary spirituality, look like? 
Reverend Kelly Isola wants to talk with people of every faith or no faith at all to passionately participate in the next great epic in the emergence of consciousness and culture. If the choice is ours to consciously evolve, then what can life look like at this pivotal time in human history? Join us each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time for Spiraling Consciousness with host Reverend Kelly Isola right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. If you're inspired by the teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer, you will love the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast with Nadia Dela Cruz. You are a spiritual being having a human experience. My name is Nadia Dela Cruz, and I started the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast to explore spiritual topics like manifestation and meditation with guests who share their own stories of insight, awakening, and transformation. Listen now on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.